It is another special edition of Lockdown Royals and the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. I got a big issue with Matt Cotreau and what he did today in Toronto. The Royals have finally reached 100 losses on the year. And Cole Reagans was human, but I'm not too worried about it. That's all coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. And find all of our podcasting episodes on those podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. If this is your first episode ever tuning in to Lockdown Royals, well, first off, Welcome in. I know it's been a very long and negative season, but we like to keep it fun. We like to engage on this podcast, and we try to get you through this season as best as we can. As for myself, I'm a fan just like you. I just turned that fandom into a career path. I now work in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a daily show on ESPN Kansas City, and once a week, you can catch me on Sports Radio 810 WHB during a night shift between 7 and 10 Usually on Tuesdays, can be on Wednesdays as well. So if you want to hear my thoughts on football, basketball, and not just baseball, that's where you can catch me. But the easiest place to find all that, just go to my Twitter page at JohnnyJ underscore 15. So the Royals lose game number 100 in that column today. They fall to the Toronto Blue Jays. They were swept. Cole Reagans looked unhittable for five and two-thirds of that game. And I thought it was going to be one of those positive Sundays. It was, you know, NFL's on, it's week one, still recovering from the Thursday night loss for the Chiefs. But I have red zone on the TV, and then I got Cole Reagans on my computer. And Cole Reagans is shoving through the first five innings, allowed one hit. He's extending that scoreless streak. I believe it got to 26 or 27. He was about that was five or six innings away from breaking Kevin Apier's record set back in the early 90s. Well, Cole Reagans looked good. The command wasn't as sharp as it usually has been, but held Toronto's lineup in the Rogers Center to one hit. It was a bloop single from George Springer. Other than that, he looked great. Fastball had great life to it. His final inning, in that final sixth inning, that fateful sixth inning, he still hit 99. I mean, I'm not worried at all about the outcome of this game. Cole Reagans looked good. Of course, all of us would have loved to see him get through six innings and take that scoreless streak into next week when he would face Houston in his, I think that would have been his ninth start in a Royals uniform. Maybe his 10th start might have reached double digits. But today, you know, command just wasn't there. But the command wasn't as noticeable until that fateful sixth inning. And I thought Toronto did a really good job today. And they did something that none of these previous teams had really done in Cole Reagan's scoreless stretch. And that was laying off his curveball and his changeup and his slider, sometimes his cutter, with two strikes. Toronto was spitting on it a lot. And they were not bad pitches. They were ones that seemed very tempting. And that's just showing a great lineup. That is showing a a experienced lineup, a power-filled lineup, 
they've got a great approach. I mean, if you want the Royals to model what a great offensive approach looks like, I thought Toronto was stellar all weekend long. No, they didn't put up you know 10 runs and 11 runs and 12 runs. A lot of that can just be you, know, you feel good at the ballpark one day and that offense explodes. The Royals had 12 runs on Labor Day against Chicago, and they can follow it up with a weekend like this against Toronto. But Cole Reagans couldn't get them to swing and miss on that two-strike pitch in the sixth inning. Now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. spits on a really good slider. He spit on a couple of good pitches, a really good changeup early on in that bat that would have ended the inning. And you have Schneider right up after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, he spits on a couple of pitches, lays off a cutter high. And then this is when everything unraveled and why it's going to tie into our first segment here. Cole Reagan slips on the, on the bump on the first pitch after walking back-to-back hitters with two outs. The ball sails to the backstop. And here is a game-changing moment. And it's what separates really good managers, or I should say experienced managers, from inexperienced managers. So Cole Reagan slips. Everybody's holding their breath. And he immediately gets up, gives a thumbs up, and says, I'm good. I'm good. Stay in the dugout. I'm good. And McIntyre's at the top step. He's with the training staff. And they're about to come out. And he's convinced by Cole Reagans he's good. No, you're, you're telling me you're good. You can stay out there. I'm fine with it. The very next pitch, a ball sails to the backstop. Two to one, Kansas City. And now it kind of feels like it's all mental. I've just sailed two pitches. I've walked back to back guys, sailed two pitches. Now I'm just trying to find Salvi's glove. And as predictable as it could have been, Cole Reagan slips again, and it seemed like it would have been a changeup because I think it was registered at like 70 miles an hour. It just slipped right out of his hand. And that was the one that missed probably the worst of all three and ties the game. And then Cole Reagan walks the next batter. He walks three straight, six on the day. And here comes McIntyre to pull him. My issue with this game-changing moment, and I discussed it a little bit on Twitter because uh, Brandon also pointed it out on Twitter. And, you know, I would say that McIntyre has been in a spot this year where I've tried to reserve a lot of my criticism. You know, I pick and choose times when to really come down on a first-time manager. Now, the team's just getting their butts whooped. They lose 9-1. to one. It's frustrating. Am I going to nitpick a certain bullpen move when it was 6-1? to one? No. But I am going to nitpick moments like this because I do think it's important, and I'm not going to be this guy that is always putting up this shield for McIntyre. I understand this is a business about winning. If you don't win, you don't get support. And there's a lot of people that already want Macrotero's head to be rolling in the offseason. You need to find somebody else that won't lose you the most games in franchise history. I mean, they're 44 and 100 with 18 games to go. That's bad. That is incredibly ugly. But the issue I had today is you have your ace on the bump. You've got your young star who's already got history with injury problems. Whenever a pitcher slips on the mound, the ball misses like that. It's a scary moment. And even if he gets back up and he says, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You cannot just stay in the dugout. You have to go out there because there's no harm in going out there. If you go out there and Cole Reagans is pouting and he's angry that he's even having to be checked on tough bleep, who cares? Give me three warm-up pitches. You're good. I'll go back and shut up in the dugout. But this is where an inexperienced manager 
didn't put his stamp on the game where an experienced one would have. Now, you stroll out to the mound and say, hey, I know you're good. If you're feeling good, but you're a workhorse. Pitchers, I know we talked about this with George Kirby the other day. Pitchers usually don't want to come out of the game, especially when they're pitching like that. And if they've made a mess themselves, they don't want to have somebody come in and clean up them walking two guys. So even if he did feel something, he heard something, he's not going to tell anybody. He's going to say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. The adrenaline's high, the crowd's loud. He wants to get out of it. But this is where Matt Quattrero has to step up and see a young pitcher and go, I know you're fine. I know you're not injured, but let's find that footwork again. Let's find that landing spot so we can avoid a wild pitch again. Now, after the second one, that's when I would have gone out there again. Now, you can't let one wild pitch go and a second one in the exact same spot just go unnoticed. That's an issue I have. That was a big issue I took away from this series finale loss against the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, this is your superstar pitcher on the bump. You can't just sit back and and believe what he's saying because 99.9% of pitchers are going to tell you, I'm fine, I'm good. Even the ones that hurt something, they feel a pull, they're going to say, stay in the dugout, I'm fine. All right? That is a scary moment. When your pitcher falls on the mound, he stumbles, he can't find his footing, you got to go out and check on him because that would have prevented likely the other two wild pitches. He gets five warm-up tosses, three to five warm-up tosses. Just find that footing again. Go after the hitter now. And then if he walks him or another wild pitch comes in, all right, then let's probably pull him from the game. But that's a spot where you got to step up, and that's the issue and my problem with Matt Quattrero today and really all season long. He, he doesn't feel like he puts his stamp enough on the game and in moments like that. And that is something I am going to evaluate very heavily next year because I don't see John Sherman firing Matt Quattrero. I can see him being on the hot seat, maybe midway point next year if things really don't turn around. The problem is right now, when you're 44 and 100, I can't convince those out there that don't believe in him to believe in him because what do I have to go off of? I can't say, well, you know, look at the numbers for the pitching staff. A lot of guys have regressed. You've had some guys you know, improve but they're 44 and 100. I could bring up Bobby Witt Jr., but there's also been a lot of weird lineups that haven't handled him as properly. Or the top of the lineup, or the bottom of the lineup. I have not a lot to go off of other than it's been one year. So that's my big issue. I don't want to always be the guy that's putting up a shield. I'm not saying fire him for this, but that type of stuff, I can't excuse that. That is a big-time problem when Matt Quattrero is managing the Kansas City Royals. Okay, the next thing we're going to dive into is just this season as a whole. 44 and 100. This is going to be the team that shatters the franchise record for losses in a season. Let's just cope with it a little bit. Let's vent, let's rant a little bit and stay tuned because that's coming up on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Well, today was the day. And I I know it's been a weird week. I think I had a a show on Monday, didn't have it Tuesday, had it Wednesday, had it Thursday, didn't have it Friday. So I always try to give you five episodes a week, even if it's not, you know, in succession. You know, even if it's on Monday off Tuesday, on Wednesday off Thursday, I I try to at least work on the weekends here to give you some content, even if it's for a team that doesn't, you know, have a lot to talk about. 
And today is one of those days where I feel like there wasn't a ton to dive into. This is just another loss, but it is a milestone loss. And when you're 44 and 100, it really makes you take a step back and go, wow, uh, this has been some kind of season. And the craziest thing about it, you know, call me a homer, uh, call me stupid, call me naive with this. I, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't think this looks like a 44 and 100 team. I always envisioned if the Royals were going to shatter the franchise record for losses in a season, it would have been a team that you can't even fathom how bad they are. Like, look at the Oakland A's, who right now have a better record than the Royals. Their run differential is negative 300 plus. Like, that is a bad team. Now, the Royals lost two series against them, so maybe I shouldn't even be saying that. But that's a team that on paper you just go, yeah, I understand why they're going to be, you know, 48 and what would that be, 114? Something like that, 48, and I think that's right. I was never much of a mathematician. I'm doing math at the top of my head, and maybe that's a bad thing. But you look at Oakland, and you go, okay, who are they building around? Who are the guys that can seriously build around? Like with the Royals, you've got Bobby Wood Jr., who is top 10, I believe, still in F-War. You know, he's going to be a, a shoe-in, assuming he stays healthy and continues his trend to be an all-star next year, maybe a starting shortstop for the American League. I mean, that's a superstar on your hands. Cole Reagans has been one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher, since the All-Star break. Okay, so you have him. You have this flame-throwing Cole Hamill, Hamill's reincarnate. And then you've got somebody like uh, Salvador Perez in your lineup. I know he's taking a step back, but, you know, he's in there. You know, Michael Garcia has been the best defensive third baseman or one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. But, yes, a, a lot of other guys have regressed, and you can chalk it up to a terrible rotation a putrid bullpen, an inconsistent outfield play. I just took a step back today and I said, <laughs> I can't believe what I've seen this year. I mean, this is a team that is going to lose likely 110 games or more. I've gone back and forth on it a little bit, but with a seven-game winning streak involved in this year, they're still 44 and 100. Now, I do want to give some praise to those that continue to view these episodes, download these podcasts, comment on Twitter. I always appreciate it um, because I have firm belief that uh, once we get things rolling again, uh, truly for five days a week, five episodes a week for spring training and, and the regular season, uh, we're going to have a lot more fun than we are right now. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, because I, I usually try to say this on all these podcasting episodes, that once the season's over, we'll go down three episodes a week. Now, there could be a day where uh, there's free agency involved and the Royals make a big-time signing or a big-time trade, depending on uh, the, the value of that trade or signing. We may have four episodes in a week or five. It's all, you know, depending on that. But I can guarantee you at least three episodes a week. I'll try to be consistent with a, a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule or a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule. Uh, just really kind of going to be up in the air. Uh, depending what free agency looks like and, and what my schedule's like. Because um, like a lot of us here are locked on, you know, you have another job. Some do, some don't. But, you know, at least here, I've got another job covering sports. So I will try my best to still give you that really good content. But I, I do sometimes just have to sit back and go, there are better days ahead. There are better days ahead than ones like today. Because I look around and I watch Baltimore. You know, I love 
you know, watching other podcasts and locked on. I, I love uh, seeing the engagement and other hosts' excitement. And here in Kansas City, you know, we've experienced good times before. We've experienced what Baltimore's experienced. We've experienced what Seattle did. Uh, we we've gone through what Toronto has gone through, where fans are really engaged all the way through September. And I believe one day the Royals are going to get back to that point, and hopefully sooner rather than later, because uh, nothing's going to be worse than sitting here 365 days later, and we're talking about a team that is nearing 100 losses again, because it's tough to sit through, man. But I want to give praise to those that continue to watch this, continue to watch the team, because you don't have to. It's been the hardest year ever to watch this team. Maybe you could sit there and say, well, I remember 05, I remember 04, and, and how bad those teams were, and and I really do believe when you got the scars from that, that this really feels like nothing. And, and that's the crazy thing. I don't feel like this has been an 100 lost team. I mean, I've had some some really good times watching this team. I've had fun watching Bobby Wood Jr., Cole Reagans, Michael Garcia, Freddie Fermin, Michael Massey, Drew Waters, and MJ Melendez time to time. I've had moments. A lot of times growing up when I was watching the, the 05 Royals and the 04 Royals, I didn't have those moments. There certainly were some because 162 games, you're going to have fun moments. But I think for a lot of us, uh, this doesn't fly with you anymore. This is not something you want to endure again. And uh, I could be wrong. Again, I, I'm just a guy with a podcast here. I could be wrong, but I don't envision it ever getting this bad again, I would say record-wise, because this is going to be a really unique type of record. I mean, the Royals have been largely irrelevant in my lifetime, aside from a couple years stretch when uh, they went from bottom barrel to best farm system in baseball history to, of course, bringing in two AL pennants and a World Series championship. Those were great times. But a lot of people in Kansas City are getting tired of just reminiscing on, on those mid-2010 teams. You're getting tired of it. I remember Royals fans were sick and tired about hearing about 1985 and 2012. It was, okay, we get it. That's when we won a World Series championship. It's time to start building for the future. And, yes, seasons like this sting really bad. This has been, uh, at times, brutal to watch. Series like the Miami one, when the Royals were just uh, walked all over. The Baltimore series in Baltimore, in Camden, was terrible. The Yankees series in New York was ugly. You know, those series in Minnesota early on in the year, just not competitive. And that's what I'm looking forward to in the offseason and kind of just seeing where this thing goes, man. Because when you hit rock bottom, when you hit the bottom of the barrel, you are at the basement floor. Uh, you really can only go up from there. It sounds so cliche. And I know I'm going to get comments about the, the good old Buddy Bell quote. But really, I mean, if you lose 110 to 115 games, you know how rare that is in baseball history? Though how much has to go into? I mean, the A's have the negative 300 run differential. That's one thing there. Uh, you look at that and go, okay, if you just actively try to lose like Oakland has, you could do that. The Royals did not go and try to lose. They've tried to evaluate a lot of young guys, and a lot of those young guys aren't ready to compete at the big league level or never were. It's just one of those years where once it's done, it's just kind of like using the metaphor of you just take a shower and rinse all of it off and move on with your day. I mean, a lot of people in Kansas City, it's it's football season. You know, here locally, KUK State, Missouri, all undefeated. The Chiefs, yes, they lose on Thursday night, but 
you move on. Uh, Jacksonville's next on the table. You're already focusing on that. But for the Royals, it's like you're just trying to get to that point in the season where you can just rinse all this off. You don't want to hear anymore about the bad records or, or the poor play. You just want a fresh slate. You want a clean slate. And an offseason where I've always said this, and I'm going to stay consistent, it's put up or shut up time for an owner, for a general manager, a president of baseball operations, a scouting department. All of that is so vitally important, and we'll see. We'll see. I think the unknown is getting me pumped for the offseason, but also just not having to look at that record in the standings about where this team actually is. The last thing I want to talk about today is going over Cole Reagans. Yes, he was human today, but let's pump the brakes. Let's not freak out or anything. As long as he's healthy, that's the best-case scenario for the Kansas City Royals. Talking about him next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. To close out the show, let's just recap. Cole Reagans today, what we saw, and what can I expect moving forward? The stuff today was not bad. The command was not sharp. But that was always one issue that he had coming over to Kansas City. And in this little stretch that he's had, where he hadn't allowed a run since a couple weeks ago, I believe almost four weeks ago against Chicago, walks were not a problem. Today, for the first time, probably since that St. Louis game, and that to me was his worst start as a Royal, the command just wasn't really there. But I also want to chalk it up to Toronto being great. Toronto having a very powerful lineup. I mean, Cole Reagans in a hitter's ballpark had to carve through George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I mean, Whit Merrifield, who was the team's best and most consistent hitter for years, is hitting like sixth or seventh in that lineup. An all-star. Alejandro Kirk was an all-star last year. There's some dudes in that lineup, and he continues to make a lot of teams look silly. And what I love is that the next three starts he has all are against pretty good offenses, except for uh, Detroit. You get Houston twice. He gets Houston back-to-back. One of those is going to be at Minute Maid Park. And it's a great test for him. You see a team and you immediately have to adjust and try to get the best of him a second time around. And then you get to go and pitch in Comerica for his final start of the year. And I'm just not worried about today and that translating over. I think what's so hilarious to me and when a guy builds up this incredible you know, value when a guy has built himself up is almost this fairy tale. What we're seeing from Cole Reagans is like, how is this happening? How does a guy who was throwing 92, 93 all of a sudden start hitting triple digits with the Royals? And he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Like, how is this happening in a year like this? I mean, I'm going to go as far to say the team that benefited the most in the trade deadline was the Royals. It, no, it didn't help their playoff chances, but in terms of the guys they got in return, Nelson Velasquez and Cole Reagans, just Cole Reagans alone. I mean, you saw what the Rangers did at the deadline. They were incredibly active, and a lot of those guys have not performed well. The Mets had a really good trade deadline, but it was more so building for their future and getting some guys off payroll. But to me, this is one of those things where I'm more so looking at the long-term thing than the short-term. I mean, if Cole Reagans is a bad start next time out against Houston, okay, it's a good Houston lineup, and he can be due for a bad start every once in a while. He's not going to continue the trend that he had in these last eight or nine starts as much as we'd like him to believe. I mean, the goal next year for Cole Reagan should be, all right, kid, go get us 200 innings. Now, be that first Royal to do so since Edinson Volquez 
back in 2015. Go be that guy. You know, if the Royals want to go into opening day next year with him as the number one, if he's healthy enough, and maybe you can bolster that rotation a little bit, all right. I know I said I want them to go sign their number one, but if you want Cole Reagans to be that guy and you have the confidence, it's about the long-term play here. I know a lot of people are just concerned about, well, the injury. You know, man, that three straight wild pitches like that, is it a mental thing? Is it a Rick and Keel thing where the yips are involved? I'm just not too worried about it. And a lot of it has to do with, well, let's just see what his start looks like against Houston next weekend. You know, that to me should be the most important thing. Let's just worry about the next start, worry about the next thing in front of us. But today, like if this is a bad start for Cole Reagans, then you've got a really good pitcher on your hand. Yeah, six walks is not acceptable. You cannot have six walks from a starting pitcher. You know, if I'm going to harp on Brad Keller for walking eight against San Diego earlier in the year, I'm going to harp on Cole Reagans walking six. That is not acceptable. But the trade-off is, you know, where Brad Keller was not competitive for more than three innings, Cole Reagans was one out away from six shutout innings of one-run ball. And that would have been the second time he's done it in his last two starts. Six innings of one-run ball, it's ridiculous. So two runs and five and two thirds, that's keeping your team in the game and giving them a chance to win. If that's a bad start, then I'm good with it. I'm totally good with it. He was human. He was just human today. And that's all right because pitchers are going to look human. Even the best guys are going to look human. It just was a bad taste in everybody's mouth that, that those were the final three batters he faced. Walk, walk, walk. Wild pitch, wild pitch, wild pitch. We hadn't seen it from him just yet. But I'd imagine he's going to be just fine. And to me, the biggest the biggest thing in these last three starts is not so much results. It's just making sure the stuff is still there, that the, the health is still there. I'm not worried if you know, the command is a little bit off. You know, if he walks four the next time out, it's not good. I'm not rooting for it. But if the stuff is still there, it's just, okay, That it's happening. Maybe he's not used to being stretched out for 12, 13 starts. We see this with young pitchers which is also why I don't see the Royals you know, giving him the number one spot in 2024 because he's never been a number one. And what happens if the guy's never been a number one, never thrown 200 innings? They're going to wear down at 140, 150, 160. You need guys who have done it before, which is why I think he's going to be the number two or the number three for the Royals in 2024. You know, just give him time to learn behind a guy, to, to not have all that pressure. But today... He looked human. Against St. Louis, he looked human. Against Tampa Bay and his first start as a Royal, he looked a little bit human. But there's also been starts where he's looked not human. The one against Oakland, one last week against Chicago, the one against Pittsburgh. You know, I'd say he looked a little bit of a mix of human and not human against Chicago and Wrigley because that's a hitter's ballpark and he was bad for maybe one inning. But other than that, he was phenomenal. I mean, quality start after quality start after quality start. This can happen. Okay, good stretches can happen, and you don't want to this completely fall for fool's gold, but it's more so the stuff than anything why I'm buying into Cole Reagan's. Not you know, just trying to hang my hat on one start from one to the next. You know, you can't, you know, say, well, that one start was phenomenal. He's great, and then the next one's not so good. And you go, never mind, he's not as good. You know, it takes a string of bad starts for for me at least to lose confidence in a guy. And I have not lost any confidence in Cole Reagan's. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And find all of our podcasting episodes 
on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. Going to be back on a normal schedule next week, and that should just be tomorrow, Monday through Friday. As long as you don't have any work hangups or connection problems, should be back on schedule. The Worlds will be in Chicago taking on the White Sox, another bottom barrel team in the American League Central. So we'll see how that series goes. But until next time, you take it easy, Kansas City.